I'm here to apologize publicly that you were correct, and I enjoyed them both. Now, I interrupted you. Continue. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, God. Excuse me. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Good morning. It's Tuesday. It's March 28th. And you're listening to Spit. All Things Spit, the Spit podcast. In this episode, we're going to discuss Princess Diana, Cam Dewey, Texas, a more dreamy tour. The Margaret River Pro, by the way, starts today, and much more. David Lee Scales, good morning. Scott Bass, wonderful morning to see you, man. It's been so long. You've been um, out of the country, running an international business and brand at this point. Um, it's quite impressive. We haven't even talked since the boardroom show, um, Del Mar, which we do need to talk about. Yeah, There's a for bunch sure. To cover. I'd be surprised if that wasn't on your list. It's on my list, bro. Okay, good. Yeah, it is. Well, we have a bunch of fan shout-outs. Um, where do we begin? Is that where we, we begin? Sure, go for it. Dude, fan interactions at the boardroom show. People came from Newfoundland. People came from, um, I mean. Newfoundland, huh? Yes. Who? Just for the show. Did I, I meet him? There was three or four guys together. Oh, I did um, meet those guys. Yeah. yeah. And one of their sons. So even more interesting, one of their sons is doing grad school at UC San Diego because of the podcast. Like he was living out in Newfoundland, raised there, felt like loving surfing, but really not a ton of access to it or not able to do it as often as he wants. And listening to our podcast all the time and hearing us talk about Southern California. So I'm sure there was a bunch of... You mean he's not going to Long Beach State where you live? He's going to San Diego? Yes, that's right. Okay, that makes sense. I'm surprised he didn't decide to move to Huntington Beach and go to Long Beach State. There's no universities in Huntington Beach. Right. So I think there was probably other factors that influenced the school that he selected, but he did reference. He's like, yeah, you know, just hearing it all the time. So that was a factor. Um, guys who don't wash their hair anymore ran into a bunch of them. Really? Yeah. How many? Like four? multiple? No, multiple. Like, oh, more than ten? They'll de- yes. They'll wow. deliver it. They'll deliver it four minutes into the conversation, like all of various surf talk, and then go, "Hey, but you know what the most meaningful thing has been for me since <laughs> I've been listening to the podcast? Stopped washing my hair." Uh, that's um, cool. Murdoch Swords is a surfboard label. He showed up with gifts for all of us. Wine for me. He gave your wife milk oolong tea. I have that here. Yeah. That's what I have here. Scott from Oregon. Yeah. He brought me a wonderful buttery oolong tea yep. from Townsend Tea Company. Very nice guy. Yep. So just crazy. I, I know there's more that I'm not even remembering or uh, didn't put in my notes, but just nonstop throughout the entire weekend podcast fans. is that's pretty cool. radical. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: Do you do you get the same amount of podcast fans? Because you're you're in this weird place where you cross over to the grit and you have your own thing. And I even hear it when people come up to me; they they'll talk as if, um, like I'm a part of the grit. Sometimes, like they're confused a little bit, maybe or something. So, do you get specifically spit fans, or you get both? You get a little bit of everything because you're so you think- sort of are, are tra- you transcend all of the shows. Yeah, I think everybody kind of recognizes um, at a certain point, 
everybody found the show at a different point, right? And but people who have been listening for years want more surf content. And so they see that I'm making efforts just to help create as much content as possible. And so I think that they're approaching me with that mentality of just like, hey, I've been a fan hearing what you're doing. I support it. I want it to grow in all ways just because they want more content. So I think a lot of there is a lot of overlap in the audiences from the various shows. And then other people specifically don't listen to certain shows because they don't like certain personality type or a certain show structure, you know? Yeah. Um, so Do you get people a little... not listen to the show because of you or I? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. That must be me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the ones that are emailing and directing me, I have a feeling are my fans and the ones that are emailing and DMing you are your fans. No, but I mean, do you think people specifically don't listen to the show because of me? Yeah. I, yes. Wow. And I think that people don't listen to this show because of me too. Uh, that's you know, well, you then don't, what would they listen to the boardroom? Oh yeah. Well, did you forget about that? No, <laughs> it seems as if I have, but I have not. I've been a little busy, but I've got a lineup coming up. Yeah. Uh, new boardrooms. Yeah. Coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But all of that was amazing. You lost your voice mid-show, which was tragic. I know. It's probably a benefit for everybody. <laughs> I lose my voice kind of every year. This year was really bad. It was. You were almost unable to talk at all. Yeah. But you were still trying. Well, yeah. The show must go on. Yeah. I just thought, you. I mean, you could hand off the mic to Tim or somebody. Yeah. You know. It, you, the people you, want Scott. No, it's not even that. It's just that. You know, you, you sort of get into micromanage phase, you know, where you're like, he's not saying what I need him to say, so just give me the mic and I'll do it. You know what I mean? As opposed to trying to... It'll take as much energy for me to explain what I need him to do or what he... not. And I'm not directing this at Tim. Tim does a great job. I, I mean, just in general, like whatever the case is. Sometimes it's just... you just I'm just one of these manager types that's like, just let me do it. Get out of the way. Yep. Which is probably not... Great. Well, it's as not entirely management tr- style. I hear what you're saying. It's not entirely true because you do delegate a lot at that show. Yeah. I mean, Tim, Tracy, these guys are all like really running big yeah, they do parts of the show. Yeah, they and do well. there's a lot of other minions as well. Yeah. Or just not derogatory. I'll tell them you called them minions. Yeah. They'll like that. I'll go, yeah, the guy with the chop off who doesn't watch the show, he <laughs> called you a minion. Well, there's dozens of people running around with tasks, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, anyway. I would love to hear your thoughts on the show. My impression was it was the best one that I've ever been a part of. Like I, and I don't even know how to really articulate or define it. It was just that the energy was yeah. positive. Yeah. Like, and I don't even know if it was the busiest one. It might've been, it wasn't unbusy. It was just, it wasn't that the busyness of it made it the best show. It was just the positive vibe. Yeah. Everybody was happy. Everybody was psyched. All these people coming in from everywhere that are just psyched to be there. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. It's It was a very positive. All of my exhibitors, usually there's one or two exhibitors. It's like, this is lame or whatever. I mean, you know. But every single exhibitor was like, hey, what a great show. We did, you know, we really enjoyed it. We'll be back next year. You know, like, I mean, I had guys going, I'll pay you right now for the same booth space. You know what I mean? So it was great in that regard. Now there might have been some exhibitors that didn't just didn't talk to me that were upset or for whatever reason or you know like it's, it's hard to please everyone. Believe me, um, but yeah, I would agree with you. It was a very positive, well attended show. It was it was really good. I, I'm I was very pleased, you know, overly pleased. And 
I can tell you that um, 5,476 people attended the show. That includes exhibitors and um, basically everyone, you know. Um, 150 booths. We had 97 exhibitors fill 150 booths. And there was fun waves for the demo morning. Um, Sustainable Surf did that. Ryan Birch, of course, won the Icons of Foam Shape Off presented by U.S. Blanks, where we honored Australian legend Wayne Lynch, which was really great. Um, so Ryan won $1,000. Immediately went to Fiji. He did. I know. That's Him pretty cool. I know. Isn't that cool? They scored, yeah. Uh, Jordan Brazy, Rhymes with Crazy, from Virginia Beach, came, came in second place. And after I spoke with Wayne Lynch... Um, a couple days after we sort of decompressed and we're wrapping out and he's like, you know, it's a shame that the guy in second doesn't get any money. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So we, after the fact I gave, we gave Jordan 500 bucks. Sweet. Yeah. What a nice little surprise for Jordan. It was, it was cool. I just DM'd him. I'm like, Hey dude, I PayPal him or Venmo him or whatever. I'm like, you know what? You deserve it. It's the Wayne Lynch rule. We've just determined it the Wayne Lynch rule. Like Wayne's like, and so that's pretty cool. So from now on, second place is going to get 500 bucks. I like it. John Opito from New Jersey won Best in Show, $1,000, and some wine from Zio Baffa Organic Wines. He's got a newborn in the house, too. Cool. Yeah. Boy or girl? That I don't know, actually. Honorable mentions in Best in Show, uh, Alan Gibbons, who made the board. Like, if you saw a board where you're like, that's the one I want to ride. That's what he he made one of those. Like I was stoked that he got honorable mention because it wasn't the most blingy board as far as color. It was more of the most to me. It was like wow, this thing's this thing looks like a like a burn deep chip, you know, deep six or something like one of those ones from Australia that they're still making over there. Um, Dale Wilson. Yeah, there's another guy. There's a couple guys that that might have been burned proteges or inspired. Were inspired by or were making those Cole Smith deep sixes back in the late 70s. I'm trying to remember the names. I wish I could remember. I want to say Phil. Freeline, Phil, or... Don't know. Anyway. Well, Dale, Dale Wilson, who worked with Al um, and has the burning... He's making the Burning Spears label, I think, with Al's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dale's doing all the lamination. I interviewed while I was there, and I'm going to yeah. publish that eventually. But really gets in deep. Oh, to- Phil Myers. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, I just remembered. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Phil Myers. Yeah, I'm going to publish that episode. But he gets in deep to um, not only Al's story, but um, you know, channels and why they work and why you can apply them on all sorts of different things. And it's cool. pretty interesting with different fin setups. That sounds neat. There's So Alan, Alan Gibbons and Jeff Lausch, Doc, Surf Prescriptions. Those guys are both the honorable mentions. And... As you know, frankly, all the boards in the Best in Show are insane. Like, yeah. there's not a bad one. It's yeah. really, it's a tough task for the people that vote on that. And it's always very close. And frankly, usually the guy that wins only wins by one vote. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's so spread out. It's never like a unanimous decision that this guy won. You know, it's like the guy who won got 10 votes. The guy who got second got nine votes. You know what I mean? It's like pretty close. Um, and then of course the auction, we sold a bunch of vintage surfboards and a Michael Hinson rainbow pintail, a Maui gun sold for $26,000. That was the high selling board of the auction. Crazy. 
but yeah, it was a. It was, I mean, besides all those little data points, it was really. Um, I think you're right. I think it was just a really good, powerful show, and hopefully, we can do another one like it next year. You know, often at the end of the weekend, I feel um, exhausted and just like, man, I need to take two or three days just to decompress. Strangely, this show I felt invigorated. It was like the end of the weekend. I go, dude, I would do that every weekend if I could. Like, that was fun. What's the guy who works for you, the really nice guy that works for you? Zane. Zane, yeah. Yeah. It's because I saw him working really hard and just standing <laughs> around. <laughs> you took sort of the role of the stand around and talk to hey, the customers. the fans want to chat, dude. Zane was, Zane was freaking sweating. That guy's a good guy. Yeah, he is. You're a good guy, too. I don't know. I'm kidding. Thanks. Um, so then, immediately <clears throat> off to uh, Japan. Yeah. The Japan show is insane. So we had a shape off, right? So there was, it was a smaller show. I would suggest to you there was maybe 60 booths, maybe, maybe 38 or 40 exhibitors filling out 60 booths. And um, there was a one shaping bay. And what was really cool, and one time we had, we had three U.S. shapers that I was tasked with bringing over three U.S. shapers, right? So I tapped into um, three people that have been a big part of the show, which was Chris Christensen, who helped me sort of formulate the shape-off idea. Um, Wayne Rich, who's a dear friend of mine and has won a couple of times and who's somebody I, I can lean on for information and insight. And, you know, he, you know, there's quite a few elder statesmen that I lean on to help me with this, and Wayne's one of them. And then um, Ricky Carroll from Florida, who's won the shaping competition three times, runs his own shape off at Surf Expo, has been a judge something like, you know, 15 years in a row over there. So I had those three guys as my judges. But the first day of the event, they collaborated on a shape. So for the first time that I know, we had three guys shaping a board at the same time, a beautiful like 8-5 pintail single fin California gun type board with deep six channels, which Ricky Carroll put in with his planer, which is amazing. And, um, and so it was really cool. And they finished that board up and they gave that board to YU, um, Ueda-san, YU surfboards there in Japan, who's a legendary, um, surfboard shaper in Japan, been around forever and super good guy. And he was actually in the shaping competition as well, but they, so they presented that finished blank. These three guys collaborating, working together in the shaping room at the same time, all of them shaping the board together, presented that to YU. And that was really cool. That was really heartfelt. You know, like, I mean, the Japanese crafts, the idea of craftsmanship, as you can imagine in that culture, it's pretty deep and it's pretty real and it's, and it's, and it's honored. And so, you know, there was there were some teary-eyed moments there when the three guys gave the board to YU as a as a sign of respect and honor to YU, and um, it was cool, man. It was really cool. And then we had the competition, and a guy named Takuda, Takuda his last name's Takuda, Takuda-san, Takuda-san won the shape off. We replicated. One of Kanoa Igarashi's surfboards from Sharp Eye from Mario Zuvi. Marcio, excuse me. Marcio Zuvi. And uh, that was cool, right? Replicating Japan's finest from Kanoa. And uh, Takuda-san's going to come over here and be in the shape-off next year. He won a round-trip ticket to Los Angeles to 
be in Del Mar next May for the Shape Off. To compete in it? To compete, yeah. Amazing. No, I'm stoked. That's a great idea. <clears throat> I know. I'm even... I'd even like to, I'd really like it to be international, more like a real international flair this year. But of course, that's up to the guy we honor. That guy we honor is going to be the guy that picks the shapers, which is how it goes down every year. Right. And um, who that person is, yeah, I don't know yet. But right. um, I have a pretty good feeling who it's going to be. But I, and I can, I can talk to you off the air about it because I, I don't, I don't want to, we don't need to make that announcement until I speak to the person, but. But Japan was great. I got to surf. I rode this killer board over there. So this this good friend of mine, Nobu, who kind of is my liaison, he's kind of my business associate over there. He does all my meetings and translates and everything. He had this cool old Harmony surfboard. Have you ever heard of Harmony? I think it's from New York or New Jersey. Okay. And it was like a 1978, 1979, 1980, sort of like California round pin. You know, wide point forward, single fin. A couple of channels in the tail, three wings into a into a pintail or a round pin, and um, I, wide point forward. I think I mentioned that. A little fuller beak nose, and I just felt so at home on that board. Hmm. Like it's amazing. I I just I I ride boards that are just simply don't have enough nose. You know, like and I know it's what everyone rides, and that's how you can rip better or whatever. But when I get on a board like that, I'm like, why have I ever not, like, why am I trying to ride something that an 18-year-old rides? I'm not 18. All I'm doing is bottom turns and top turns and maybe a cutback. And I can catch waves so much better and I'm so much more comfortable and I'm so much more, um, I feel so much more um, confident Hmm. when I take off on a wave. I can immediately get up and go and, you know. So anyway... I rode that board and fell in love with that board. Took some pictures of it. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have Ricky Carroll make me a copy of that. It was like six four or six five, you know, two and five eighths, maybe even thicker, maybe two and three quarters. But it, it it sort of had that brewer rail where it was full, and then at the rail it pinched down, so it didn't feel like two and three quarters at the rail, you know. But there was plenty of volume. And look, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing aerials, but I don't do aerials. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I was feeling really comfortable on it. So that was a lot of fun. The waves were super fun. So I surfed at the contest site for the Olympics. Oh, really? Yeah. Am I going too fast? No. What were the, what were the conditions? What The waves were fun. It was kind of like, if you're in California, if you're listening to this or wherever you are, it was like windswell. It was like three to four to five feet of solid windswell, like Northwest windswell, like 12 second, 10 second interval. A little bit soft, beach break, um, much like Newport or um, maybe the the jetties between Newport and Huntington. So pun- punchy beach break, punchy, probably barrels when it. Yeah, when yeah. it's yeah, yeah. And it, but it was also kind of soft, but right. Yeah, punchy beach break, tons of little jetties, kind of you know, like maybe where you would see Pono or Newport, just like a jetty every two hundred yards, three hundred, four hundred yards a jetty with the waves coming off, good waves coming off of them, and plenty of windswell coming in, like totally contestable. Cool. For if if there's windswell, right? You know, like, and I don't know what it's like today. It might be flat. You know, who knows? But that gives us an idea of what the Olympics has on potential, anyway. Yes. Like it could be uh, head high beach break barrels, or it could be flat junky surf and anything in between. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And frankly, we were down from the contest site where the contest site is. We were looking to our left down the beach and you could see the windswell was hitting there better just maybe an eighth or a quarter of a mile down at another jetty so we just drove down to that jetty and it was 
it had a little bit more size and it was pulling in the swell a little better. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Surfing was fun there. How long were you on the trip? Eight days. Nice. Did full tourist stuff. Tokyo yeah. tower and went up the Tokyo tower, which is kind of like the tourist thing where you go up and you look at the city from way up high. How, went, how was the food? Food was okay. I had some good meals. I had some bad meals. Okay. Yeah. The best meal I had was Nepalese curry. I've been to Nepal. Oh, yeah. I like it. I've been to Japan and had Nepalese curry. <laughs> I had a, I had one really fine Japanese meal, though, with all of our friends. Cool. Uh, you know, deck, these guys, helpers. Yeah. Did you get back last week? I did. I got it back a week today. Okay. Yeah. So last Tuesday? Yeah, last Monday. So you're fully recovered. I had no jet lag, dude. Freakiest thing I've ever had. What? Yeah. How and why? I don't know. I was fully expecting it. I was, I was mentally prepared for it. Never had jet lag. Wow, that's it's the first weird. time I've ever not flown back this way and not yeah. had jet lag. And I don't know what to attribute it to. Huh? It was the weirdest thing. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome, man. Well, congrats on the first uh, Japanese boardroom show. Mm. Who's whose idea was it to make the logo red? That's a good question. I actually sent them one, and then I'm like, oh, shit, is this being culturally insensitive that it's red? I even had, like, Japanese script that I got, you know, like, from a pull-down on a font. And um, and I sent them this logo, and my translator, my liaison guy, is like, you know what? Let's just send them your logo and let them do what they want with it. So they made it red, and they kept the normal script. They didn't change the script. I thought it was genius. No, for sure. So they came up with the they idea of the yeah. red. It's yeah, smart. Did. I saw it. And well, I did it. I did it, but then I didn't send it to him. Oh, so you both landed on the same yeah, conclusion. Exactly. I, I saw it and I was like, um, why didn't I think of that? Like, that's so good. It's so simple and so obvious and yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It's cool. Awesome, dude. Well, um, good to see you again. Glad to be back on track with spit. Yeah. Good to be seen. Good. Good to be on track. Yep. Um, lots of WSL info, lots of, yeah, there is a lot of pro surfing stuff to digest. Also good to be back on track with that. I feel like the off season was nine months long. It seemed so I'm glad just to have endless WSL content to chat about. Yeah. Um, well, let me just, I'll start with Karamas and you can chime in when you're ready. Um, the Karamas event was spectacular. At least the final day. Yes. So I say eh because all that anybody will remember is the final day. But let us not forget, day one started, or the opening uh, contest started on day one of the waiting period. And it ended on the final day of the waiting period. And the first rounds were held in marginal, crappy surf. Totally agree. And so let us not forget that. However, let us also remember that as long as you end in good waves, that's all anybody really remembers. No, I think what we take away from this is what I'm going to speak about now, okay. which I think you're absolutely you're spot on. Okay. So the waves were the stars on the final day, right? The, yeah. The final day, the waves were the stars. When the waves are good, the show is good. When the waves are the stars, the surfers become stars. When the waves are shitty, the surfers don't look that great. So allowing for a canvas for these pro surfers to to show themselves and to really shine is super important. And time and time again, you and I see this and we talk about this and it's a bit redundant, but here I go. The number one priority for the WSL based on what we saw on the final day, which was spectacular is to make sure the surf is good. 
trim down the number of surfers to 20 and you won't have that waiting period nightmare that exactly. you just took us. Exactly. So we have to trim down to 20 surfers. Be nimble enough logistically, administratively, operationally to move the events if we need to move the events. Frankly, Margaret River shouldn't be on the schedule. This event coming up should only be maybe at North Point, maybe at the box, or just move this event somewhere else. So with the idea being, again, the overarching theme that we need good surfers and good waves, and that the waves are the stars, let me ask you this, David. Where is it good in June that has the infrastructure for a dreamy tour? Hmm. Probably a number of places. Yes. What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking Puerto Escondido. Mm. I'm thinking Tavarua. Yeah. I'm thinking Kandui. Kandui Island, I think, could handle an event. It, it, would, it would have to be... 20 surfers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so think about this. 12 events on tour, so you and I are constantly satiated snapper and by the way the sponsors are satiated snapper bells you got to have bells I've, I've given up hope on ever replacing bells bells is never going to be replaced it just it is and you just got to embrace it well and this year it delivered on the goods yeah i agree and victory at sea like yeah it was fun to watch yeah and there's going to be bad years but the history of bells transcends how much better winky pop is <laughs> no. Uh, so we go Snapper, Bells, Karamas, Kandui, then to Chopu, then to Puerto Escondido, then up to Lemoore, for God knows why, <laughs> then down to J-Bay, into Europe for Hosker, Portugal, and then we end in November and December with Sunset Beach and Pipeline. This is a 12-event WCT. Okay, I like and it. And we've got 20 surfers, and our waiting period is as big or bigger. The cool thing about Lemoore is it only takes three days, no matter what. There's nothing cool about Lemoore. So uh, what I like is... No, the three days what is, is cool. What is the three funny? days helps the other no, events no, get no, a big no, window. No, no. I wow, you do are. not accept it. Okay. Uh, what I What is funny about your premise is... Okay, Scott Bass is going to redesign the entire thing. Uh, I'm not redesigning. But I'm still going to acquiesce to the Bells Beach demand and the Lamore demand. I'm being no, realistic. you're designing your own thing. Well, nothing about no, that I'm is being, realistic. I'm being, no, that is all realistic. Calling the tour is, could be I've argued called, that's not realistic. I didn't and call it. I added to it. There's 12 Calling the, the head count. Yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. No, that's realistic. I don't know if it's realistic. Why not? The women only have 20. 17. 17 and they get equal money okay well we want equal amount of surfers and equal money yeah i i mean the point is there's a bunch of um operational re regions why that isn't a thing right now there's a bunch of regions oh uh, well i'm not doubting that yeah but i'm not saying it's not you, i'm not what i'm saying is big picture what's the most important thing is that scott and his wife and david and his girlfriend watch the friggin show and that the surfers are putting good waves so that they can shine yeah that's everything else is is below that. Like the needs so of the labor force, I don't give a shit about. Yeah, but by that you can also throw out bells and Lamore is my point. No, but I agree, but but being realistic is 
that's one sticking point that I'm not willing. It's it's worth just going. You know what? If you give me the rest, we'll throw Bells and Lamar in. You know what I mean? I get it. Like you got to have Kelly's thing because it's Kelly's part of the whole deal. You know, he's it's like having Jack Nicholas's golf tournament. You got to have it, even if the golf course is you know a putt putt course. And you got to have Bells because it's the longest running professional surf contest in the world, and there's. There's a ton of history there, and it's Torque, and it's the it's, and it's not necessarily bad. It can be bad, but so can these other places. Carry on with your uh, bullet points. We don't need to get caught up in that. I was just asking you what you think of my. 12th, I love it. My no, I love spot. it. I love it, but I would you got get rid under- of Lamore without a question. I would too, but I'm what I'm saying is. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, Dude, you're. We're, I'm also you're, realizing you're, that if if Elo and those guys are and Stephanie are listening to us, guys. Huh, Sophia, I call her. I'm sorry. If Sophia is listening to us, is it Sophie? Yes. So Here, here's my argument to them. Yes, continue to have the wave pool, but it becomes a novelty event. It is not. You do not alloc- uh, earn points on that towards the world title. Period. It, I agree un- with it you. undermines I agree with you. all that we hold dear and all that matters in the ocean-based events. It undermines all of it. Well, that I, I look, I, you and I are on the same page. I'm just suggesting to you that if they're going to have it, we have to have Sunset Beach. No. I'm just yeah, saying, look, Yeah, okay, that's a fair trade. If they argued that with me, I'd say, okay, I'll accept that negotiation or take what I'm saying and do Lamar in September as a novelty or whatever month as a novelty event. And then also um, for that waiting period in September, let's actually do lowers instead. Bring lowers back. Lowers get rid of Lamar. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. And we'll still. I just figured we'll still promote the wave pool. We'll do it on a three day schedule. We'll utilize that to sell more wave pools to different cities around the world. We'll do a wave pool tour. I'll give you that. But it's different. I was looking at. Uh, look, I agree with you. I was just looking at it like, look, let's get them down to tw- let's. Eat this elephant one spoonful at a time. Let's just get them to admit that Sunset Beach needs to be on the tour, that Margaret River needs to be off, yeah, and that we need to have Tavarua and Kandui on. By the way, all of a sudden we've got an equal amount of lefts and rights on tour. If you could only pick um, Tavarua, like Cloudbreak or Kandui, what would you pick? I'd go Cloudbreak. I, I don't know. Have you ever... No. Have you? When was the last time? Do yourself a favor. Go onto YouTube and find epic Kandui laughs. It's mental. I've been in contests there. I, we produced a contest there. It was mind blowing. Yeah. Is that now, the, OP, the OP Pro? Yeah, the yeah, OP yeah. Pro boat, John. And I mean, it's kind of a toss up. It, it really, to my mind, that comes down to this: we're already at Karamas. Let's just fly out to Kandui. You don't have to fly to Fiji, and it assumes that there's infrastructure on the island, which I know there is for twenty surfers. On Kandui, and I think there's enough uplink. They can get enough shit going on there, and you just sit there for a month or whatever. You know, now, you know, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up. But we, this is what we do know: Tavaru is friggin' expensive. That's why it's one of the things where they're like, shit, we it it costs WSL a ton of money to do the Tavaru event. I, I mean, honestly, isn't it nickels and dimes? The difference between nickels and dimes. I mean, when you're at that level. And you're chasing kind of the the sponsor licensing deals that they're chasing. I don't think T and E is the stop point. I agree with you. I but but I do think that it makes more sense logistically for everyone yeah, to sure. just go from Bali to to the mentor. But in your fan 
fantasy scenario. It's not a fantasy. This is going to become reality. Okay? So, but we're it's not real like your hairdo. In, we're not going to factor in those small choices. Like we're going to go to the best waves in the world. Period. I sort of have my operations hat on a little bit. I'm sorry. So my thought is, um, I'll hear you out for Can Dewey, and obviously, I would love to see an event there. What I do like about Cloudbreak is just um, how much more variety there is on that wave. Like, yes, there's a barrel section, but yes, you get opportunities to do turns. And the barrel section, sometimes it's perfect. Sometimes you got to really navigate it. Like all of that chaos to that. It's a perfect the wave same, that is very difficult to you're, you're You're absolutely right. I will say this. It's as or more difficult to navigate the barrel at Can Dewey, but, and okay. there isn't a moment that you're allowed to do an off the lip. Everything right. is balls to the wall, yeah. which is super exciting to me. That's yeah. just super exciting. Like, okay, look, I'll see an off the lip at Karamas. I get it. You know, right. I'll do your air there. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. I like it. Yeah. But the big thing is let's trim this thing down. We yeah, got to get down to 20 surfers. Yeah. I looked at the, the list the other day. The bottom half of the tour right now, I don't need to see him. Yep. And there's a couple guys on there that I wish were in the top, but yep. aren't, you know, after three events. But that's on them, dude. If they don't, I mean, honestly. You know who's not in there? Griffin. Griffin's like 24th or 26th yep. or something. And I mean, Slater wasn't in, I know. in it for three I know, it's years. It's kind of unfair to look at it after only three events, you know, but I think after 12 events or 11 events, we can go look. You you get you had your shot. You failed. Right. You failed. You know? Right. And, the, and frankly, the top twenty is cool. It looks great, so, and it's pretty even. Like there's like four USA surfers, or like seven Brazilians, or seven Australians, or three French guys. You know, there's there's Jordy. But below the cut line right now, David Silva, Jack Freestone, Jacob Wilcox, Joan Deru, Jesse Mendez, Leonardo Fioravanti, Reef Hazelwood, Ricardo Christie, Griffin Colapinto, Ezekiel Lau, Jadson Andre, Soli Bailey, Kyle Abelli, Sebastian Zietz. All would make great sales reps. <laughs> We're going to do a category called future sales reps. <laughs> wow. Burn. By the way, sales repping's a decent job. No, for sure. I'm just saying. Those look. are some of the highest earners in the surf industry, and it's heyday. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Classic bass, dude. Uh, when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. 
linkedinjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Replace By the, the way, the Karamas event, my wife and I planned a whole like date night around it. And wow. that was my wife's doing. Dude. And you know why? Because of Kelly. Like the Kelly factor was like the tiger factor. It was She's like got a thing for Kelly. No, but I think everybody does. I think Kelly. I mean, every, Kelly brings people. All you got to do is look at the beach when Kelly's in a heat. There's it like, brings husband and wives together. It does. Kelly. Yes, it does. What a romantic. So we scheduled a date night and we watched the whole thing. It was it was insane. What'd you guys eat? Um, we had. Uh, what did we have? We had. Uh, she had like an olive and prosciutto and like a like a like a appetizer sampler kind of thing. You I know. Like it. And um, I'm on the paleo thing too, so I had um, olives. And I had meatloaf, <laughs> bacon wrapped meatloaf. Okay. And um, a meatball. Meatloaf and a meatball. Yeah. What? Yeah. Was it from I the same a... recipe? You just formed no. one in a loaf and one in a ball. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, my wife makes the most amazing meatballs. Huh. Like they're insane. Like they have veal, ground pork. Um. I think obviously some hamburger um, and then some prosciutto or pancetta and like, it's like a gourmet meatball recipe. It's insane. Awesome. It's, it's, it blows your mind. Did you do candlelight? No, Mm. no. TV light. And watch it on the big screen, you know? So no music. Just trying to set the scene for the listeners. Dude, the... The heart music flutters through our look when we... (laughs) Ronnie Ronnie Blakey's silky vocals were the soundtrack for your guys' romance uh, date night. We turned it down a little, I think. Mm. Wise. Um, Well, that's funny that... uh, So, the Slater factor. Should we talk about Slater or do you have more? Okay. No, that's fine. What are your... I'm just saying that... When the waves turn on. Yeah. Slater shows up. I think we all hang on every word that Slater said. So when Peter King puts the camera in Slater's face in that five lay days and is like, how do you feel about this upcoming heat with Felipe? And he says, you know, I'm not going to lie down for him. I'm bringing my A game. And he's like, he even said, he's like, the internet really shook me up by being critical of my performance in the last couple of events. And um, I'm not going to lie down for these guys anymore. Like I'm coming to rip his head off. Essentially. We read so much into this 30 second blurb that Kelly gives us. Like that is, I don't know that we care what anybody else says that much. You know, John, John says something, Gabriel says something, we're like, yeah, whatever, moving on. But Kelly, I think just seeing that he actually cares again, firstly is meaningful to us. Um, I would argue that if the waves weren't six foot and barreling, he would not, have stood a chance really against Felipe. But that's the, that is the magic of Kelly is that when he paddles out, the sun comes out, the waves start pumping and this magic alchemy starts to come together for Slater. It's undefinable, but we've seen it happen time and time and time again. Um, so as much as I criticize Kelly on the podcast, which are all it's warrant warranted criticisms, based on statistics and lack of performance, but I love him. I love him. I love that he does that. I love that he brought you and your wife together. And I love that even though I'm critical, I'm sitting there rooting for him. Yeah, for sure. The, the Slater factor, it 
you know, the only bummer about it is that it's going to be over pretty soon. I mean, it was over in the semifinals. You know, he has one big burst. Like, well, no, he had two turns in the previous rounds that were insane, that are highlights that we could rewatch over and over, and a slow kind of burn and build up until that thing. But it all comes to a head because the waves turn on. But once he draws Kanoa, the other thing is I don't think that he adjusted his strategy against Kanoa. Like, he got a bunch of barrels against Felipe. And then Kanoa, he tried to find that those barrels again, and he almost made one that would have been a 10. And then he stuck to the strategy, and Kanoa goes, I'm sticking to my strategy of posting two seven fives every single time. So I'm going to do four turns to the beach. And if Slater got the 10, he would have beat Kanoa, but Slater got two sixes on lesser barrels. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Kanoa, and, and a, not, a lay person such as my wife was like, wow, that guy, I don't know who he is, but he looks pretty exciting. Like there's definitely a spark when Kano was was on at least in this event when he was on a wave it was and especially those heats there those I guess it was the quarters the semis and the final he was just uh, sparky you know like like he looked like he was on a mission and obviously he was on a mission and as you know I have picked Kanoa last year to win the title this year so I don't want to admit that that is true but yes you you pulled that out of thin i i was when you claimed that i'm like dude you're so wrong no and now i'm starting to realize i might have completely underestimated well we'll see i might have been wrong too because this is what my statement is is that we're going to really find out in this event where cano is at because after a big win it's so easy to get a 30 you know 25th or whatever like if he makes quarters or better then, then we're like, okay, he's he, mentally he's in it. He didn't like. It's easy to have a deflation period here. No, a not deflation. Kanoa. I don't. I agree with you. Yeah. I. I that's the thing about Kanoa. I, you and I have always said he's mentally strong. He doesn't have the the. I've been given everything, even though he kind of has been given everything. The he's, culture he's of Japan is he. Does, yeah, he works. Yeah. And he know and he knows the job's not done yet. That's the thing. And so... <clears throat> so the deflation thing, I think you get guys like Ricardo Christie, Christie maybe, where his focus is like, I need to win this event, you know? And if he does execute the goal, that is the huge spike career. in his life. It right? made his career. He's Kanoa's like, goal good. is so much longer right. than that. Totally. And it's like, this is a lily pad that he's just going to like right. stomp to the bottom of the lake on his way to the next lily pad, yeah. uh, like to get to the end of the lake. So it isn't... Um, it's a big deal to him, and he earned it, and he worked for it. But I would argue that he's probably in the gym the very next day, yes, because his sights are set. Somewhere totally else. agree with you. Now, however, I want to see how this event plays out. I don't think Margaret this event Rivers matters. Here's here's my argument to what the point that you're making. Yeah, Kanoa's only ambition is to post two seven fives in every heat, and so if he comes up against a Felipe who posts two eights. That, then Kanoa loses that heat and that event, but it really doesn't matter because the way the system is structured is a marathon. And with the two seven five mentality, just keep doing that, and you're going to warrant quarterfinal finishes. Yeah, I agree. Which it, you yeah. don't have to win events to win the no, world. I title. totally agree. And if he if he goes up against Felipe, that means he's in the quarters. Correct. Based on the seating. So, Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's what I think his strategy is. You notice he has zero tens to his in his history books. He's not going for tens. He's going for four 
rad turns that are going to net the seven fives. And he's going to do it time and time again, no matter, by the way, he's done it at Pipeline. He's done it at J-Bay when the waves are pumping. He does it at Huntington because he's won twice in a row. Um, and so that is his stretch. That is the marathon mentality that the tour is designed to reward yeah. currently. Yeah, it's almost like he looks at it like a millennial, like with data points, like two seven fives. You know what I mean? Like he, all the other stuff, all the little hype, all the BS, all the press, all this. It's like two seven fives. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. Two seven fives. And I, he knows I can do two seven fives at any location around the world. That'd be a cool jersey number, seventy five, just yeah. to remind him. Well. Whereas you look at somebody like Michael Rodriguez, who I feel like is going for tens. Yeah. And then he ends up with twos a lot of the time because he doesn't land. But when he does land, it's spectacular. And that's a much less sustainable headspace. It's a less sustainable everything. You know, it's less sustainable on your body. Yeah. Right. And he he might earn diehard fans along the way. But that's the other thing is Kanoa flying the Japanese flag. He's got diehard fans like because he's the only guy from Japan and he's the first Japanese server to win a world ti- uh, event tour, like a uh, tour event. So Japan could win the Olympic gold because that other guy, everything. the guy that won the U.S. Open. Which guy? Isn't he Japanese too? Kanoa won the U.S. Open. No, no, but a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Hiroto. Yeah. O'Hara. The guy that's like, I just want a car or whatever. So, that was the best clip ever. Isn't he yes. Japanese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that would be a pretty sick Olympic team right there. Think yeah. about that. They, oh, I mean, as you stated last show, the Japanese typhoon is building. Like, there's a bunch of dudes. <clears throat> yeah. There's a bunch of dudes. Well, Kanoa, well-deserved. That was incredible, right? Insane. But tell me about the heat. I sort of agreed with Martin Potter. It was it's a little it's kind of getting nitpicky with the judges at that point, but I kind of felt like Jeremy was underscored rel- first wave exchange. Yeah, relative to Kanoa's exchange. Kanoa's was the thing about Kanoa's is that the the stuff that he did was sort of outside of the box. Like mm-hmm. like Jeremy's like down to the bottom big incredible radical hooking turns that are just insane. But the floater that Kanoa did was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, it was kind of, like, unexpected. It was what the wave called for. Yep. But I, I would suggest to you that it was kind of risky, you know? Like, I mean, it's maybe even riskier than a standard turn that they do all day long every day. But it's, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on that exchange. There was a... Jeremy was slightly... Uh, was given a little bit less points than Kanoa's. Yeah, it could be argued either way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's nitpicking. I think that... um it's easy to just say that a floater is a transitional maneuver and it's not risky and all that. But when done correctly, like that was the right move for that section. And the way that Kanoa did it too, he pumps off of the floater, which yeah. puts him into a bottom turn with tons of speed. So it's not, I mean, it's it's a radical version of a floater, Yeah, you know? Um, I don't think that the judges got it wrong in terms of like who was the better surfer in that heat. I think they got it right. Yeah, You can argue a half a point either way on both those rides half a point down for Kanoa, half a point up for jeremy but i was okay with it yeah um how'd you feel seeing jeremy in the final i was stoked yeah i thought he deserved it i mean he the guy surfed great you know like i I like jeremy flores why because he's honest like he's on been on tour long enough to just go hey here's how i feel screw you or hey this is great you know like you don't get the canned sort of you know just going to take it one heat at a time, blah, blah, blah. The wearing the heart on the sleeve thing is fantastic. I love that about yeah. it. My thought was, um, I don't remember a single wave that he surfed throughout the event. Yeah. And I, 
I think Jeremy's he's pretty blue collar. Yeah. Like Adrian, he's kind of got that. You never. He's bucking. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like so. I guess I look at it as when you redesign. But those that, turns he did were pretty sparky insane. and course, insane. Of course. Yeah. There's no taking away his talent. Right. And he's been like a real, like from youth, a phenom. Yeah. His talent level's insane. He falls a lot, which is a problem for There's me. There's a couple of years, just three or four years ago, you and I were like, get him off tour. Like he was, I, I'm still his boards of, weren't right or something, but he, he, he looks way sparkier and fresh now than he did a couple of years ago. In my no, opinion. he looks sparkier and fresh in this event. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But he, I, did, I was, but he did well, didn't he? He won pipe, didn't he? Yeah, a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so his bread and butter is that front side is first of all style he's so good just aesthetically to look at um his forehand carve the club sandwich turns insane and then big barrels yeah you know the fiji day that they called off he was out there in the morning and yeah uh pipe always he's a contender but he doesn't i feel like at a karamas event i was very very surprised to see him in the final and then i was also surprised that none of his waves i remember so there's like tubes. So he was hunting the barrel. That was yeah. the thing. He was hunting the barrel and getting just enough to get by. But let's not forget, like when you reflect on the event, I'm going to remember Wade Carmichael's power. I'm going to remember M- Michael Rodriguez's giant air that he did. I'm going to remember Kelly Slater's barrels. I'm going to remember Kanoa's things. And you know, I, what's the what are you really going to remember about that event? The number one thing you're going to remember. Um, Stephanie's 10. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie's 10 was friggin' mental. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah. Wasn't it? Oh, it was insane. That was like the wave of the year. I know. On both tours. Both Agre- sexes. No, agreed. It was, that wave was, the way she, the, she was almost turned back going left on that snap. You know, Check that, stall. That, yeah, that stall that she did there. And the thing just, the board looked really good. And I, I mean, she was so deep. And look, she positioned herself and she got lucky. The wave just did the most milky, crazy ledge thing ever right then. But she got herself there. Dude, even doing that snap stall to get into it, though. Was sick. Was all her. Like the wave no, was for perfect, sure. but that, that was, was like, all her. That was like Rabbit at Kira in 1977 or something. It was just mental. It was so rad. Um <clears throat> And she does it time and time again. Like in the I don't way, know if she does that time and time again, but she's a great you know, surfer time and time again. She pulls that it out of the particular ride was insane. My point is time and time again is she pulls stuff out of the bag. Like name a, a, a certainly a female surfer on the women's side who does the spectacular more often than Stephanie. There's I've, in the last year or two, there's almost been in every event, there's a wave that Stephanie does something that is spectacular on. Like she's continues to deliver and it's kind of late in her career and she's still the person who's doing those things. Usually these people get replaced by a Felipe Toledo or certainly Caroline Marx is starting to contend for that. Um, what I loved about it was it was with two minutes left in the final. Like she needed a backup score essentially and it, Steph didn't have or Sally was still in second place, I think, at that point. So it's not like Steph's back was against the wall. But with two minutes left, that wave comes through. That's a lot of pressure. And she just ruled it. We've got a new name for that stall. Name it. What, what did you call that stall? A check stall? or what? Were you? Snap stall. Snap stall. It's the Princess Die stall. 
Ooh. I told you earlier in the show That's we were going to talk about Princess Diana. I knew who you were talking about when you said Princess Di. I'm going to go out there and do a Princess Diana stall. I would love to see it. <laughs> That's the new name for the sick barrel stall. It's the Princess Di it. stall in honor of Stephanie. So, Would be, you claim that? Would you go, dude, did you oh, see my uh, Princess Diana stall in that last wave? Absolutely. Would you tell that to your bros somewhere? Dude, I'd be Instagramming it, hashtagging it. Like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> what we love about that wave, too, is um, the flow. Yeah. She got up. Like, knowing that thing was doubling up, she didn't just nurse it. She did a huge snap off the first section. Off the bottom, things doubling up. Boom, snap stall, which is a risky thing to do, by the way. Like, because you could fall on the snap. And if the double up comes up too quick, you can't adjust for it. And then immediately out of that, like a little, you could see a breath of like claim in her face. Like, oh, that was insane. Bottom turn into the end section that was actually coming at her. Yeah. Like it wasn't an easy section. No, yeah. And she she cracked the Yeah, Yeah. She did have a little moment there of. Elation. Yeah. Elation and of, I want to celebrate that barrel, but oh shit. And she had to get back on the horse real quick and hit that thing. It was beautiful. Perfectly surfed wave. It was. Yeah. What a great ride. The Princess Die stall. Yep. Um, by the way, how about the board that Kelly Slater is riding? Aquila Ipa? Yeah. Perfect. So here's a little quote from Aquila's Instagram. I haven't been that engaged watching a contest in a long time. It's Usually easy to just watch, but to feel a certain connection is pretty rewarding. Once the board leaves me, I have no control. Only hope that the long hours at the factory has a profound effect on the water and translates to a feeling we now have a starting point with direction for the 5.8 thruster and the 5.5 twin that Kelly Slater is riding. End quote, Aquila Ipa. And then Kelly wrote this. Aquila, the board is so lively and fun. I thought for sure it would be too low volume for me, but it planes really well and just grabs speed from it everywhere. Stoked, unexpected, can't believe it took us this long to make a board since the old AK model we made at your dad's factory and I think was 94. You should post a photo of that. Ha ha. End quote, Kelly Slater. So what's interesting here is that something that we've all known a long time, but sort of out of the bag i guess is that kelly's not riding stock firewires on tour he's writing custom shaped slater designs that look that are that are painted so that they look like stock firewires so and i, I tell you yeah. what Aquila ipa's probably got orders through the roof totally beach grit wrote a whole article about the boards and like here's oh the did he to order. oh did they yeah oh. Derek did. <laughs> Like, here's the quiver. Here's the link to order a board. They're 550 bucks, which is crazy. That's too low. Yeah. Why did they do that? Because that's what he charges. That's that's silly. They got to raise the price. That's Aquila's so... got to raise the price. Yeah. 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 That's wrong for, ever, for the whole industry. Dude, when I was in Hawaii in October, I was shocked how inexpensive boards were. Like, and I'm talking the... We are shooting ourselves top... in the foot if we do that I as a surf industry. Agree. Completely agree. So anyway, a couple of thoughts about that. Um... I would argue that Kelly's lack of performance on tour over the last couple of years has been partially related to his diffused interest. Like he has all these business interests. It's hard to, part of your mindset is I want to win a world title, but then you have all these other business interests. So that's going to diffuse your 
in your uh, focus, right? Well, secondarily, sometimes it's in direct conflict. So if Kelly wants to R&D on PU construction boards and ride those in heats, well, if those boards aren't available on the retail shelf for consumers to buy for your Slater Designs project, you now have to make a decision as the businessman. Do I want to really make surfboards that use this as a marketing vehicle to sell surfboards, or do I want to win a world title? You know, And so the back end of that is the boards that end up on the shelf require a lot of R&D, and then they go into production, which takes months or probably to produce to get out onto retailer shelves to get marketing behind and all that sort of stuff. So whatever that six month lag time or whatever it is, is non-conducive towards him riding those boards in a heat. Yeah. You know, so I see that conflict over the years and we've, uh, so then sometimes he rides boards that are available on the retail shelves, but it's the wrong board for the conditions. We saw this at Bell's where the waves are pumping and he's riding P, uh, epoxy, EPS constructed boards that just look too light on the wave's face. They don't have the drive. He's skittering kind of between turns and and whatever. And then he switches over to the Simon Anderson longer PU board and it looked amazing, you know? Yeah. And then he gets back on the EPS and loses the heat to Ryan Callahan. So we've been questioning and criticizing all along. So what I loved about this was almost this whole sale commitment to I'm going to ride the right board for the event. And it, maybe the Aquila Ipo board, by the way, becomes a Slater Designs model. Well, that was going to be my next question. I, I don't will. know why it wouldn't be. How could it not be? Yeah, exactly. You know? you'd, be, you'd be silly. But I'm, I'm just wondering how, if it if it's all part of the bigger plan with, with Mark Price and the Firewire crew, you know, like they're, like, this is a good thing. Like, they're like, cool, it's all it's all playing out, you know, and we, we we've already got, you know, that board in production or if it's like, oh shit, we better go to call Aquila and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wonder where they are in that process. If it's part of the big plan or if people are just making Kelly Slater boards and sending them to him and hoping that maybe he'll ride them. Cause Kelly's got a bunch of great friends from around the world that are shapers. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I could see not only Aquila Ipa making boards with a thin black strip down the middle that has the same aesthetic as a, Slater design boards that you would get at a shop. I could also see, say, like, I don't know, um, Jeff Johnston and uh, Pat Ross and, and uh, somebody in France and, you know, like people from around the world that are already have his ear going, hey, I'm going to send you four boards. You yeah. know, like, why wouldn't right. Kelly go, yeah, okay, maybe I'll write them, maybe I won't, but, you yeah. know, or was this like a concerted, hey, you guys, I'd like to have Aquila make me a board. Let's talk, you know, like if it was, if it's part of a bigger plan or if it's just like, hey, I like this board, we better talk to Aquila. Either way, the team at Slater Designs is um, smart <laughs> enough to figure out kind of the right path forward. And yeah. they, I'm sure that they will oh, no, execute sure. that. Travis Lee and but what I, what I, Chewy. And- but what I like about Slater is um, open we love, we love seeing him like, that felt nostalgic seeing him on the right equipment again and like him doing like i almost feel like you and i had more information on which board he should be riding oftentimes in the last few years than he did and that was weird to me yeah. like dude slater what are you doing on that board like that looked yeah. terrible and then the internet agrees with you and i of course and they've yeah. been and so i loved seeing him just like going back to the basics riding the exact right equipment doing the in 
the carving 360, which we know and love from him. Yeah. The big torquing full rap, like in the hook, like a term that nobody else can do, you know? Yeah. Like those things, and the board is allowing him to do those things. Yeah, he attunement with his equipment is something that we haven't always seen in recent years, and I was concerned that part of that was that diffused interest between winning a world title or the business interest. This had all felt um, coalesced, yeah. and it was like, oh, Slater of old, he's back again, and his heart's in the right place, and like his focus on the winning the thing and tr- like trouncing Felipe is in the right place. This is who we know and love. Yeah. I was, I was thrilled. Yeah. No, for sure. Everyone was. I mean, it, it was a win, 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 yeah. win, you know? Yeah. yeah. The one other detail um, that I'll mention about Slater and part of a success against Felipe, the waves turn on and they're barreling. And I've seen him do this at Pipe and I've seen them do this at Chopu and Cloudbreak. He picks 10 point he picks unmakeable waves and he didn't make them in that heat against felipe but felipe's looking for perfect waves yeah kelly's not kelly's looking for imperfect waves yeah and he pulls in there was one of them in that heat where he like navigated four foam ball closeout sections yeah and there was one last section that he didn't make felipe wouldn't have gone on that wave and even if felipe did go he wouldn't have made the four sections kelly made but i love that kelly's always looking for the unmakeable impossible thing because that's what 10 point rides are made of yeah you know exactly and he's made a million of them he's made dozens of them over the years yeah many times you you see him take off and you're like god he's why is he so deep i often catch myself what's he doing being so deep but you know and he and he falls out of the sky yeah he does a lot of yeah he he gets back into it and then he like and though and then we scream and they end up on highlight reels for years yeah and so that's um that's, that's what we smart. love about Kelly. That's just some smart, comp- comp, you know, like he does that on purpose. It's the essence of surfing. It's the essence of competitive surfing. It's what the wave pool doesn't allow. It's what the wave pool doesn't even have. You're on a real anti-wave pool run, bro. Do you disagree? Have you? Well, you've ridden that wave. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I ate it on that wave. I think that wave's friggin' awesome. Oh, it's so fun to ride. No yeah. question. But it's what the wave pool, that thing that we're talking about of Slater, that is yeah. all of every highlight reel yeah. that we all want, that is what 10-point rides are made of, yeah. the wave pool does not have the capacity to offer. Yeah, And that is why the wave pool undercuts the rest of the tour. All right. By the way, I'm going back to the wave pool. Shut up. Yeah. On June 21st, Surf Aid International is having a Surf Aid Cup at Kelly Slater Surf Ranch. Now, I don't think I'm going to be riding a wave. I'm just going up there to do the MC stuff to be the announcer. So I'm going to go up there. I'm not going to get the surf because they're they're charging people big bucks to raise money for Surf Aid's International uh, Surf Aid International's um, fundraising efforts here. So, how could they not throw the MC a wave? Because I think every wave's spoken for with dollars. Yeah. And believe me, there, I'm on the board of directors at Surf Aid. There's a lot of guys on the board of directors, and not all of us are getting to surf. And there's probably people ahead of me that deserve to surf more than I do. Sure. I'm just going up there to be of service. Well, So it's going to be weird. I have been up there with you when I didn't get to surf, and it didn't really bother me too much. There was so much melee we knew we weren't going to surf. I know we knew. And I know I'm not going to yeah. surf this time, so whatever. But we have been up there and surfed. It was awesome. Yeah. By the way, since we're on this topic, 
a listener, David Kramer, loyal listener, sent me an update on what's happening in Texas. Real quick, Texas wave pool update. Meaning the Enlin conversion? A little bit of both. Okay. And it's not the greatest update, so it might be stuff you already know, but he went to the um, BSR in Waco. What's BSR? Barefoot Surf Ranch, right? He went to the Barefoot Surf Ranch in Waco a couple of weeks ago for a couple of sessions, and he said that the place is booked solid, and there's people from all over. One of his sessions included people from New York um, and California. So if you're wondering how the amoeba incident from last year would affect BSR, all seems to be moving on. The place is really busy and ready for a big 2019 summer season. Now, the wave pool, formerly known as Inland Wave Park, of course, purchased by the WSL, he swung by there for a peak, and the gate was locked out front with a no trespassing sign. The water's been drained, and it looks like they've disassembled some of that middle walkway that runs down the pool. And he saw a big pile of soft top surfboards through the trees and a heap of rubbish. And um, he thought that was kind of strange. And he didn't see any activity or work going on. And their ways, their website basically says that they're evaluating the opportunity to change it to something like the Surf Ranch in Lemoore. Well, of course they are. That's all they want. Yeah. Like I, I said, was, it's yeah. not the greatest, yeah. but that's David Kramer's cool. update. Good to know. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, before we leave Karamas, did you watch the Airborne tour show? Uh, the air show thing. I think I caught a little bit of it. There was better surfing going down on the final day, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. The, this airborne thing. I don't know if the airborne thing is catching on. Sputtering. I, I think so too. Like, At least from an end user standpoint, it doesn't engage. Well, that's me. all that matters. Exactly. So I am a huge fan of the concept. I want to see it succeed. I think the biggest um, misstep is trying to run it during exactly. the CT events. I think Josh Kerr would tell you that too. And he's, of course, trying to do the logistics thing which is they're not going to fund it for us to go around the world right. on our own so we got to do it as part of this but thing. if it's the red-headed stepchild which it's going to run in inferior conditions always because you're competing with the men and the women's tour not just and so my issue with it was a you're right there's better surfing happening on the tour and better airs happening on the actual main event secondarily um the the way that the thing is structured exactly the format the best wrong. surfer doesn't win like if you look back at the highlights Eli Hanneman was insane yeah Ian Crane did a couple of insane ones Jack Freestone wins the event and then Kalani David is in second and then Eli Hanneman's in third I'm like wait a second I know that Eli's insane airs that I'm referencing were in the early rounds. And so that got him into the final, and then in the final he didn't execute. Therefore, Jack Freestone wins. But still, something's amiss. No, you're right, and and I think it's even culturally because there's this vibe of hey, let's let all our bros go out there and surf and do areas, and we'll tell you who the best guy is, and then that guy will move on. This whole this whole sort of feeling of like it doesn't feel like a contest. You know, it just feels like let's just send out some guys and let them go free surf. Well, it's like well then. Just let them go free surf. Like, like you're still imposing a structure on it. So either impose the structure or don't. Exactly. It's like either do it right with like a firm structure that creates rivalries and creates, oh, this guy hates going up against this guy, you know, 
or don't do it at all. Yeah. But this whole thing of, hey, you're going to wear a jersey, but let's make it fun and free flow. And you can play your guitar between heats and do yoga. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I don't want that. You know yeah. what I want? I want competition. Yep. You know what I mean? The hockey's on. I'm going to watch the Stanley Cup. Which is exactly why two CT surfers have won the first two events. Because those guys have that mentality that you're talking about. They're like, I need to I need to actually land something. Mason Ho goes out there. He's like, I'm throwing caution to the wind. Who cares about landing? You know, and he, he obviously wants to land, but ultimately he doesn't land. And then he doesn't make it into the final or he doesn't even... So yeah, the whole thing needs problem. to be basically who does the best air. Just one air over I'm fine with that. five heats or whatever. Like there's no moving on. Right. It's just like everybody's going to go out. We're going to give, you know, whatever the amount of time is for six guys at a time or whatever. Yeah. Whoever does the best air wins. I'm fine with that. Boom. So playing the into... The problem with that, sorry to interrupt, is that there isn't this dramatic. apex dramatic moment at the end. Right. It doesn't but, build to a crescendo. Which... Which is the problem with the whole thing in the first place. So this dovetails exactly with that. What's up with that giant nut bag, by the way? <laughs> You're not the first person that suggested I have a giant nut bag. Scott brought in a gallon bag full of seeds and nuts. This is what I eat, bro. And then they tried to offer me some. Hey, you want some of my nuts? No, dude, I do not. I said, do you want some of my nuts? They're really good. Yeah. I know the mics were not on and I declined. I was like, <laughs> I'm never saying yes to that again. Paleo. Fool me once. Shame on me. Uh, so uh, dovetails exactly with what you're talking about. Kalani David for a semifinal heat. Did you see this? Dude, they're, really, they're hour long heats, right? Yeah, that bores me. He shows up 15 oh, minutes heard late. About this. Yeah. It was silly. He shows up 15 minutes late. And the commentators, the camera's following him down the beach. The commentators are laughing and, and commenting on it. He grabs his jersey. He's walking as casually to his surf contest that he's 15 minutes late for. As I've seen people like walk to, uh, to the refrigerator from the sofa. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Kalani David, you have no sponsors on that surfboard. You're in <laughs> Bali. This is an opportunity for you to A, get paid just right here in front of you. And then number two, woo the industry with your immense talent, by the way. And your professionalism. <laughs> Put some heart into it, kid. Get out there. Show up on time. Run down the beach. Land in air. Like, what are you doing? Like, I wanted to rip my head out. Part of me loves the fact that surfing is that aloof. I, not me. But, but that part makes of, me want to throw up. But then a second part of me is like, dude, seize this opportunity with both hands and run as fast as you can forward because you have the talent to win this thing. And Was he late on purpose, do you think? Or was this an act? Or was he just wasn't like, an act. I don't think he was on purpose. I think that he maybe is that lackadaisical to where he doesn't have an alarm clock every morning and he doesn't have to be anywhere every <laughs> what day. Time was so it? What time was it? You can't wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning? He was 15 minutes late to his heat. To his 60-minute heat. It was so ridiculous. But he ended up getting second, right? Didn't he? Yeah, which again is shocking and an indictment of the format. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he's that talented. Yeah. Isn't he, they were saying he's a pro skater. Yeah, that true? I don't know if he still is, but yeah, before he he got some weird disease and injury, spent some time in a hospital, oh. um, which derailed his career. Well, but he up until that point was like the dual threat, you know. Speaking of time in a hospital, um, Sonny Garcia, they put on Surfline today that Sonny underwent surgery to have a 
like a tracheotomy tube put in so they can feed him through that way instead of through his nose, I guess. And I'm not sure if it, if that worked out or not. I don't think it did. But important thing is is that he's he's got good vital signs and um, and apparently he's he's making movements which are positive. And his daughter um, put out this whole thing about on Instagram, which is pray for Sonny Garcia. So here's my question to you. Do you pray? Yes. Will you pray for Sonny's body to heal? Yeah. And, and more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did this. I prayed this morning. I saw her thing and I went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for Sonny Garcia's body to heal, for functions to come back, for goodness to be a part of his life, all of that stuff, you know, yeah. which I thought was really cool. This whole concept of, because one is like, why not? What do we got to lose? You know what I mean? What do you got to lose? You know what I mean? Like the most nope. disingenuous prayer ever. No, but no, I prayed genuinely. I prayed completely sincerely. I'm a big believer in prayer um, and meditation. Yeah. But my point is, is that if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't believe in God and I, you won't catch me praying. And if I do pray, it ain't going to be for, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't, so what I'm suggesting is that the listener should be open-minded enough to, to pray, just, just pray by yourself to, for Sonny to heal. Yeah. I'm just asking for, I'm trying to help the daughter along here. You and I are right. We're going to get the listeners to just quietly say a prayer for Sonny Garcia. That's all I'm saying. I've gotten questions from people about what's up with the media blackout. Like, why has nobody talked about Sonny? The only thing we see about Sonny is pray for Sonny and something happened, but nobody says what happened, right? Um, and so, and they're like, that is a problem. Obviously, that's a problem with the surf industry. Same yeah. thing happened with Andy Irons. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way. Yeah. I saw the movie, for The Kiss by God. Yeah. I just saw it like a week ago. What Great movie. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Me too. Super yeah, I mean, it's good. so sad. You, you know, know what else so I saw? Sad. Bunker 77. Yeah. Good movie. Dude, I pitched both those movies to you on the I show, know. and you're like, I don't care, another drug story. <laughs> I know, no, I Is it going to glorify drug use? Well, and I'm like, I don't know what it's going to do. I don't, I'm here it. to apologize Good, publicly right. that Can you were correct, and I enjoyed them both, and I interrupted you. Continue. Can I get it in writing? Yeah. All right, perfect. I won't uh, sign it, but <laughs> it'll be a typed email without a signature. Um, so let's... Let's detail what happened with Sonny. Is he still in a coma, first of all? That's the I, I implication. The implication from everything I've read is he's still in a coma. I don't even... I'm not a doctor enough to even know what a, what that means to be... Like, what is the specific case where you're not in a coma? You're Like, does that mean he's not talking or he's not, like... He's asleep. He's asleep. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I, I, I really don't know. Um, Do you know what happened? I heard he hung himself. Right. Attempted suicide. Right. So... That's I guess that the answer to the listener's question about like why is there a media blackout? Yeah. And first of all, there isn't an official media blackout. The reason why I haven't spoken on it is I don't know yeah, the information. I don't, I don't, I don't know from the source. I interviewed Maurice Cole recently and he alluded he talked about it a lot, but I didn't even ask him, like, hey, what really happened? Yeah. Um so I don't know what really happened, but that is the rumor that I heard as well was he has struggled with depression. Yeah. And he was living in Oregon for yeah. some reason. I'm yeah. not sure why. And I think he has a girlfriend up there. Okay. I think. Again, this is all just, this is why people don't talk about it because you and I really don't know. And so it's better to just not talk about it unless you know because 
then you will have people throwing arrows at us. At, yeah, I, I'm okay fielding some of those arrows because we're at a point now where somebody should be doing some investigative journalism. Certainly that. Yeah. Certainly that. Yeah. And maybe that's where we're lying down on the job. But um, I think that there's good that can come of this. Con- Just the like shining a light on whatever parts we do know. Right. I think can be helpful and beneficial for the community as a whole. Right. Um, so that we don't end up in these situations. And like keeping these things in the dark creates a stigma of a lot of neg- uh, bad things that can happen. And other people will then keep it in the dark. And people who are going through similar things have nobody relate to, to yeah. relate to. So <clears throat> what we do know through rumor and innuendo, what we think that we know, is what you stated. And then he's had some volatility in recent relationships compounded with depression. And so there was an attempt at suicide. He was found, he was hospitalized, and I guess he's been in a coma ever since, (laughs) which has been a long time to be in a coma, but made progress through the coma to where he was at a while, uh, a couple of weeks ago, reported that he's breathing on his own accord. And whatever his daughter's update that she just posted, which was like vital signs are improving and all this. So I think that sometimes in that situation, the doctor's keep the coma going so that they can control some of the other variables, recover more health that way, and then allow the person to wake up, you know, or whatever. I'm I'm not sure. Um, But that seems to be where we're at. The answer or the question about the prayer thing, like, yes, you need to target the prayer towards physical health and well-being. But beyond that, it's like you want to pray for um, healing for somebody on a spiritual level, on a level of like whatever pain it was that you were feeling that made you go through these things in the first place. Like I would like for that to go away, you know, Yeah. I feel terrible. Like, and I think a lot of that is, and I think childhood trauma, you know, like why were you that depressed and why were you that conflicted throughout your life? And so the childhood trauma stuff is where you need the healing from on a deep, deep level, you know? And not that we would know, but I would suggest that, if Sonny were here, he might suggest, hey, pray for somebody that's going through the stuff that I was going mm-hmm. through before I did the deed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's use that prayer time not only for Sonny's health and Sonny's well-being, but for the well-being of somebody that's actively struggling mm-hmm. today. You know, like, let's pray openly for for uh, serenity to come over some people that might be suffering from depression. Yeah. Well, one thing that Maurice said was Maurice admitted like, hey, I've been there. I've been at that brink where like that seems like a good idea where suicide seems to be doing mankind a favor. Right. And look at all these relationships I've tarnished in my life. And like I just out is the right thing to do. And he said the only kind of savior in that moment is having people holding you accountable, people available to you, people near you. You need people, human connectedness. But yeah. he goes, he goes. the problem is we have this tough exterior and we will stiff arm you and keep you at arm's length at every single turn. So you can call me. I'll ignore your call. You can show up at my door. I'll shut the lights and hide in the bedroom just to keep doing what I'm doing. And, yeah. to, and so... That is the problem. That is the real crux of the matter is we desperately, I desperately want and need this human connectedness, but I won't allow you in. And so his argument or his advice was don't stop. 
Like if you have somebody in your life that you know struggles with depression, don't take no for an answer. Be there for them. Make yeah. that call. When times are good, when times are bad, always just check in. Make those you know yeah. attempts to connect, which I think is good advice. That is good advice. Yeah. And speaking of Maurice, kind of hard to segue from this topic to this, but okay. I'm going to. Boards that I'm riding. I got a new Maurice Cole Reverse V 6.4. Plenty of foam. I'm really loving foam. High performance with futures quads. I am going to try it as a tri-fin. It paddles incredible. It catches tons of waves. It's super smooth and easy. And I'm pretty psyched on it. I've got... I just got one too. You're kidding. How big? Um... Oh, gosh, dude. Why do I not know this? This is weird. We're riding like parallel boards. Like you have the twin fin. <laughs> I have the twin fin. You've got the Marie, a reverse V? Yeah. Well, reverse V groveler. Is it is it a squash tail? Yeah. Yeah. Tri-fin. Tri does it have five boxes? No. Oh, mine has five boxes. Yeah. I when you say groveler, do you mean it's like wider? Wide, like? He called it a reverse V groveler. Oh. Like it's designed for these local waves here. Oh, maybe that's what mine is It's too. a little bit more foam. It's Mine's got, got flat, foam like it's flat deck. A little bit more foam up in the nose. Yeah. Not a, Almost a very slight beak. Not fully beaky, but not like yeah. rolled up. Yeah. Yeah. Is it in your car? No. Oh. No, it's, mine is 6.0. Yeah, mine's 6.4. Yeah. It catches tons of waves. Totally. Yeah. I think paddles like a dream. Yeah, mine paddles so good. Yep. Um, I, I, uh, and mine wanted, surfs good. Mine does too, but I'm haven't really put it through its paces yet. Me either. I've ridden it in mediocre surf. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I need, I was reserving my commentary on it until I really put it through its paces, but so far so good. Yeah. Here's a question I have for you. Yeah. <sighs> logo. The logo is placed in a place on the board that throws my mental game off like it's right at the nose and it's real big it looks like a sponsor sticker like a quicksilver sticker on the nose of the board yeah. and i'm not down with it and from the moment i looked at the board i'm like god dang it now i don't know it's you all gotta in live my, up to the logo it, up on the nose no it's all in my head dude it's so weird how the visuals of a board matter for sure but what is the problem with a logo you've had other boards with logos on the nose is what i'm thinking no no you've never. always had it in the middle of the board different places but i think that there is an aesthetic to a board that changes the the geometry almost like the way that the logo placement makes you a do you not know what i'm talking about kind of i mean i've always liked the logo up on the nose i've always liked the the I think my ego's always sort of enjoyed the concept that, hey, it looks like I'm sponsored. You know, like there's no, a little bit yeah. of like 15 year old in me that's like, hey, yeah. it's kind of cool. It's a little bit cooler. Yeah. This one threw me off from the moment I saw the board. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I don't want the logo there. And then I hold the board and I assess the board. and I'm like, this board's perfect. Like the spray paint, the dimension, yeah, <laughs> the dimensions, all of it, like the flow of volume. Vo um, foil like all of it feels fantastic under the arm test feels perfect and then i open my eyes and look at it and i'm like dang logo and like it's almost in my head of where yeah. it feels we're gonna like get a gofundme page and get some spray paint for you okay i'm down with that yeah don't let the logo hold you back either spray paint it or move it's almost it. beyond me dude it's like so ingrained in my mental mm, that's interesting it's like the logo changes the geometry of the board almost wow i know it's weird you don't know what You've not experienced this? No. Hmm. Logos never change the geometry of one of my boards. I know. 
It's weird. It, yeah. <laughs> it's almost not it's, scientific. No, it's very much not scientific. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I got my new spy sunglasses. Thank you very much, spy. Thank you, spy. I got mine too. Prescription sunglasses. Oh, you got the prescription yeah. ones. I forgot about that. Very cool. Um, spyoptic.com, promo code podcast. They've been supporting our show for a year or two. And, um, they're the best. They are the best, dude. So stoked. They're I'm the best stoked. shades. And they have tons of styles. Like every time they offer to throw us a new pair, I go on their website and there's a bunch of ones I haven't seen before. Um, and you need something for dress up. You need something for a beach day. Like they've got a ton. You don't and wear goggles. glasses? No. Prescription, you mean? Yeah. No. No. I have um, superior genetics right. to you. Of course you do. It's, <laughs> it's proven by your hairdo. I mean, if nothing, if, you know, the Chop Hub does one thing and one thing only. It's that it proves superior genetics. Clearly. Yes. Clearly. And I stand below you subjected to it. Yep. <laughs> I could see you're trying, though. You put some product in your hair I today. Got, I got it going on. A little bit. It's all salt and pepper, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you approve of my hairdo. Um, it's just you talk crap about the chop up, but then you try to replicate it all the time. My hairdo right now is a little too long. It, this, this style... If you want to get into it, I'll get into it. You ready? No. My I wife's. You're, you're like, no, I don't want to, but go ahead. <laughs> Forget it. No, go, go. No, no, no. Your wife, what? No, it's cool. What? You guys are having a romantic <laughs> dinner date with Kelly? No, no, no. She's like, stop going to sport clips. Go get your hair styled. Interesting. And so I went, okay, well, I'm going to do what my wife says. And I went to a stylist, and they did a great job, but it's grown out too mm. long now. It needs to be cut. But it was worth it when you went? Yeah, like it was. Like she, my wife was happy. She's like, "See, you got a good hairstyle now." Um, I never noticed a difference. Well, you're not supposed to. Yeah, but how much was the price difference? Sport clips is what twenty bucks. Yeah, and then the haircut's like double. Forty. Yeah. So I've gone through that experiment myself a couple of times, where I'm like, "I'm a grown man. I should like pay for a decent haircut," you yeah. know, and asked a few friends, got on Yelp, like tried to figure out who can. Yeah, and because I feel like I have healthy, uh, full head of hair, like I should have a decent hairstyle, you know. Um, you kind of got a receding hairline, though. No, not well, at all. I'm Get sorry out. to tell you, dude. This. I'm gonna have my hair till I'm 80. <laughs> What's your dad look like? Full head of hair. What about your grandfather? Full head of hair. All right. Um, nice try, though. So, <laughs> just, I'm so, I'm so something. no, you're not. But every time I go and I pay 40 and 50 bucks for a haircut. It's no different than the $20 haircut. Right. And I've tried three different stylists and none of them can do it. It's And they'll spend an hour and it looks exactly the same as the girl that charges $17. I think the girls' sport clips are good. Yeah. Totally. Don't get me wrong. Totally. What happens if we start to lose our hair? Not you, me, together. We. Do we go this full bald? Like when do you when do you go, you know what? I'm going full bald. I'm going, I'm shaving the whole thing. Um, everybody- Shave with a goatee. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. Shaved head with a goatee. I can't imagine you with male pattern baldness. This is a very funny experiment for me to stare at you right now and try to imagine yeah. the cul-de-sac. Not good. Um, I don't <laughs> think it cul-de-sac. works. I don't think it works for I've you. I've never heard cul-de-sac before. I don't That's think it works for you, dude. I'm sure it doesn't. No, I think you go full bald. Full bald with a hat. You go Lex Luthor, dude. Right. Full bald <laughs> with a visor. Can you? You have to abandon the visor at that point too. Oh yeah, because of sure. sunburn. Well, yeah, the visors. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you better Lex Luthor. What a great your, actor that guy was. Add that to your list of prayers, dude. That you don't lose that. Well, glorious no, salt I don't and pepper ever pray for myself. I always. 
pray for God's will to be done in my life. Now, let me ask you this. What are you watching on TV? Mm, I got a new one. Me too. Fleabag. Really? Yeah, it's so Is it good. on Netflix? Amazon Prime. What's it about? This uh, woman who has a bit of a, like, middle age, struggling in London, um, really kind of uh, questionable moral and ethical code and standards and is like seeking validation through random sex oftentimes and like, oh my God. she's kind of the black sheep of the family and like her sister's always bailing her out but it's hilarious oh so it's funny it's dark comedy dark comedy. Dark, dark dark british comedy, comedy dark yeah. yeah yeah okay so i'm watching dead to me i loved it oh you've seen it i watched the entire season in one weekend okay so loved it. we've seen two um, you uh, like it at first i was like after the first episode, I was kind of like, whatever, until the very last scene where they hooked you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this thing's kind of going in a way different direction. I didn't realize it was almost like a suspense now. It's like yeah. a, it's almost like a thriller. Yep. Did I, you finish it yet? No, no. I've oh. only seen two episodes. Oh, you got a bunch ahead of you. Yeah, it, yeah. it continues to kind of zig and zag. Like it, it ends like... in a very different place than I saw. Oh, good. I love that. So okay. it's, uh, and I like Chris, those two actors. Christina Applegate, yeah. Linda Cardellini, yeah. and then James Marsden. Is the dude Steve the good looking, yeah. successful? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's set in my backyard, our backyards, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's in Laguna Beach. Yeah, and Newport. I don't claim Newport or Laguna. You can. Fair enough. Guys in Huntington do that. Yep. <laughs> trying to trying to upgrade. When you get married? Um. Well, <laughs> there's no date on the horizon, Scott. This is better than the last time we asked. <laughs> it wasn't a hardcore no. Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of shifts and moves on that front, but no, nothing, no, no wedding date planned. All right, Scott. Well, until next time, back over there. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, until next time. Adios and aloha. You're with me.